It's bad ink jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Welcome to the Bookie Bashing Weekly Bashcast, brought to you by BookieBashing.net. This is Big, looking at next week's opportunities and last week's profits. This is Bashcast episode number 121, Occam's Razor. It's Thursday, the 8th of November, 4.04 in the afternoon. Coming up in tonight's Bashcast... Happy Responsible Gambling Week. Um, we look at the ability to Dutch the 3.35 on Saturday afternoon at a single bookmaker. Different ways of estimating value help us work out the NFL. Anytime touchdown scorer treble on the weekend. We've had a turn of fortune for all the value mugs in the football and we're going to go through them. After the break, we look at a daily routine. Ladbrokes are in the doghouse with Ibas and may have to pay out a significant amount of money. We have another entry into the Bashcast Hall of Fame. And we have a new sound engineer. Last week's sound engineer was terminably fired. And so hopefully we'll get to the end of this episode without the difficulties we had last week. Um, long-term listeners to the Bashcast will know I used to I used to state the weekly profit, and then I stopped doing that because of a number of different reasons. I didn't want it to cloud. The EV, you know, if I'm getting £100 on something and you're getting £10 on something, it's all relative to bankroll. Um, sometimes I had big casino wins. We're not sharing those, are we? I mean, that's just EV grinding those out. In casinos, you can go like weeks or even months without winning anything. And then just one big win puts you back on the EV line. And there was just, an, you know, I did a number of different reasons why I stopped doing it. Well, I am, I've chatted to someone and I think I'm just going to reinstate it for a little bit of time. But I've got some catch up to do. I stopped at the beginning of the year. So last week's profits... Were where are we? Two thousand nine hundred thirty-three pounds and forty-six pence, which was very welcome after going on a big downswing in throughout the middle of October. October was a strange month. Smashed the beginning, and then just lost money from the beginning, uh, the middle of the month, all the way to the end. Had it been the other way around, I would have been in tears by the middle of the month. Um, Three-month total, uh, thirty-two thousand. £440.76 for August through October. But my year's been very heavily weighted. The months of April through to the end of July at the World Cup were awful for me. Um, so the year stands at £69,903.24. Oh, I'm only £96 away from 70 grand, didn't I? 
um, which is slightly down on last year. And just for a few weeks, um, I think I'll just bring the profit back. And you know, the important thing is when there's negatives, there's negatives. So I had like 11 good weeks in a row. And then I had two weeks ago was the worst week of the year where I ran at minus £1,983 in a week, which is fine in the context of the overall scheme of things. But you wouldn't want to isolate that and look at it, would you? So, um so when there's good weeks, we'll report it. And when there's bad weeks, um, we will report it as such. Talking about bad weeks, on Sunday night, I was in the office watching the NFL, as I usually am on Sunday. Um, and my nine-week-old son, Ewan, well, he'd been struggling to breathe. We've all got colds. We've got, like, the autumn cold that's come around early this year. and But he was struggling to breathe. And it's slightly different, I think, when you're nine weeks old than when you're 40 years old. Because um, when you're nine weeks old and all your airways are blocked up, you don't have the ability to clear them. And um, Jen phoned the non-emergency line, um, who immediately sent an ambulance because it's a baby with breathing difficulties. And Ewan was taken to Worcester Hospital at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, with the blues and the twos on, so I was in the car behind. There's nothing more terrifying, I'm going to tell you this now, there's nothing more terrifying than following an ambulance who's got its blue lights on and your nine-month-old baby inside it with breathing difficulties. Even though, it's like, you know, he's in the best hands, it's just a cold, even if it's, well, it wasn't just a cold, it's bronchitis is what he's got. But it's even though everything in your rational brain is telling you that the you know this is going to be fine uh, it's just a terrifying situation to be in especially following the ambulance on the motorway so the ambulance told me they were going to put the blues and twos on i'm to follow in the car behind they won't go over 70 because i can't go over 70 what they did is they swung out into um lane four of the m5 and we got some road rage from the guy there was behind the ambulance who, first of all, tried to undertake the ambulance. And then the ambulance straddled two lanes almost as if to stop him. And then um, tried to squeeze in between me and the ambulance with my nine-week-old baby in the ambulance in front. I was like, mate, this is not a fight that you want to pick. It really isn't. <laughs> Just calm down and pull back. And so he sat on my shoulder for the whole time. When the ambulance skirted off off the motorway, he wouldn't let me out. I nearly missed the junction, at which point I would have, like fishtailed the back of his car and then got out, pulled him through the windscreen, headbutted him, thrown him under traffic on the other side of the road uh, and then gone on my merry way onto the hospital. But fortunately, I managed just to apply the brakes, get down to the hospital. Ewan was there for overnight, but he's okay now. It meant that we were just sat overnight in the hospital with him. I had the iPad with me, though. And um, as as difficult as it is sitting with him, there's not much to do, so I might as well watch the Patriots versus the Packers, and we'll come to that in a bit. But the Patriots brought the money home. Thank you very much, Tom Brady. Happy Responsible Gambling Week, everybody. I hope you're having a good RGW. You can't have missed it. Um, I saw. I heard the them discuss how important it was over on the excellent Matchbook Betting Podcast, which I do recommend, and those guys are really knowledgeable. However, they are a corporate entity, and they've obviously been told to mention Happy Responsible Gambling Week. And so they sort of 
they did touch on how important it was. Responsible Gambling Week is a cross-industry initiative to res- to promote responsible gambling in the United Kingdom and Ireland. It's got um, events, information and training for parents and those working with young people, media and press, and um, our supporters include, well, obviously it includes every single casino and bookmaker under the sun. I mean, which bookmaker or casino middle management is going to turn around and say no to this? It's an initiative by... Um, IGRGR, the Industry Group for Responsible Gambling. So here's my problem with it, okay? It's obviously got good intentions. It's just pointless good intentions are are exactly that. They are, they are pointless, aren't they? I mean, the bookmakers, for starters, how what are they meant to do? They are completely and utterly stuck in a catch-22 where they want to take more money from people. And they, they will vocalize that they don't want to take money from problem gamblers, but there is no threshold definition of a problem gambler. Someone that loses £10 a week and spends two hours gambling could be a problem gambler, and someone that loses £1,000 a week and spends 30 hours gambling could not be a problem gambler. And so um, it's almost impossible for the bookmakers However, some of the efforts are laudable. If you, I mean, I'm sure you're all the same. Did you look in your email inbox in the last week and you just get an email from every single one of them promoting Responsible Gambling Week? Now, let's say you are an irresponsible gambler. Have you received that email and gone, whoa, I think I'm going to calm down? I'm almost certain. I'm almost certain that you haven't. In fact, if you go right now to promotions... A Betfair Casino, there are two promotions that I can see. One is for free spins and the other is for Responsible Gambling Week. And you can't even win anything. So it's not a promotion. They've just stuck it there because it ticks a middle management criteria box. That's why they've stuck it there. Look, I'm all for helping the slowest members of society. In fact, we need to. It's really important. But we have to be libertarian as well. One, if someone chooses to spend half their wages on a front-of-house betting terminal or online gambling, and it brings them some amount of enjoyment, who are we to tell those people that they're not allowed to do that? You see, everyone spends money on stupid stuff. So whose decision is it about how stupid the stuff is that you're spending money on? I have a real problem with fancy restaurants, especially before the kids when I had expendable money that I felt was burning a hole in my pocket. Every time I had a big win, and it turned, it became something that me and Jen were doing nearly every month. We picked the nicest restaurant we could find that we could be bothered to travel to, whether in this country or abroad, and talking the fat duck and all the Michelin-starred restaurants, and we go there, and some of them were great, and some of them were terrible, and all of them were hideously expensive. And once, after Jen's chartership, I took her to a Michelin-starred restaurant at the top floor of the Hilton Hotel on Park Lane in London and spent £700 on about three courses. And one of the courses was a tomato salad. And I don't even like tomatoes. And even if I did, it wasn't a nice tomato salad. It was a badly done cherry tomato salad. First of all, I could have made it at home. And that's always a problem when you go to a fancy restaurant. Why are you serving me stuff that I'm not a chef? So if I can make it, then it's not good enough. Two, I don't like tomatoes. So I don't know why I was having the tomato salad. I expected it to be more. Uh, And three, it was bland and tasteless and £700 for three courses. So that was a really stupid 
stupid thing for me to spend money on. And it is nobody's goddamn right to tell me that I'm not allowed to do that. You know, you can rec- you can take me to one side and say, Tom, you know, you're probably spending a little bit too much money on stupid meals. But that doesn't mean that you have to ram down every single customer's throat that they need to be responsible Michelin star restaurant eaters. <clears throat> Let's not be lemons. And for the majority of people, it's not... It's not responsible gambling that should be important. It's losing gambling that should be important. It's not being a lemon. You'd think with two mortgages out, the repo guy's staking out my car, my job on the line, my wife threatening to leave that I'd stop instead of staying in the chase, doubling down. It's a disease, Leon. Yeah, man. Admitting you have a problem is the first step. Yeah. Well, I guess I must be doing pretty good because I've got one big problem. Don't worry about it. Leon. Okay, Leon. Uh, my name is Walter, and I'm new to this group. But uh, I am certainly not new to these meetings. I've been coming 18 years now. Uh, as a matter of fact, friends, this is my 936th consecutive meeting. Wow. Hey, man, well done. Well done is right. And in all that time, I haven't once been to a track or a casino or bet on a game. Hand of God. Not a cent. So I know where you're coming from, Leon. Believe me, I know. I heard your story, and uh, it's something I relate to. But uh, I got to say, if I learned anything, it's that gambling is not your problem. It's not. Not even close. I don't know how to say this without sounding a little rude, but you're a lemon, Leon. Like a bad car, there is something inherently defective in you. And you, and you, and me, and all of us in this room. We're all lemons. We look like everybody else, but what makes us different is our defect. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose, subconsciously. Me, I never feel better or more alive than when they're raking the chips away, not bringing them in, and everybody here knows what I'm talking about. Hell, even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. But when we lose, now there's another story. When we lose, and I'm, I'm talking about the kind of loss that makes your asshole pucker up to the size of a decimal point. You know what I mean? You've just recreated the worst possible nightmare this side of malignant cancer for the 20th goddamn time, and you're standing there and you suddenly realize, hey, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm still alive. Us lemons, we fuck shit up all the time on purpose because we constantly need to remind ourselves we're alive. Leon, gambling's not your problem. It's this fucked up need to feel something, to convince yourself you exist. That's the problem. Everything Al Pacino says in any film is the truth. Um, My friend... Anil, uh, his father, I've known Anil for two decades. His father passed away just a month ago or so. Two months ago, it was when Ewan was born. Um, and Anil, obviously, as anyone whose dad passes away, was having a bad time afterwards, but said to me, one thing that keeps him going 
is bookie bashing and gambling because every single day it gives you something to look forward to. And I think if you're going to be a lemon and let things get on top of you and out of control, especially if you're a losing lemon, then my personal opinion, you take that away, you are going to replace it with something else that's going to be self-destructive and your life is going to fall apart in different ways. But... I'm not in charge of happy, responsible gambling week, am I? So there you go. On the weekend, getting to the gambling. What a race the 3.35 at Ascot turned out to be. Um, Nine runners went to the post. Ten started the day, I think. Could have been 11. I think there was only one non-runner during the day Ramses do something or other so William Hill are paying five places in this horse race there is almost certainly a reason why they're playing five race uh, places in this horse race but that reason will escape to my attention it's not it's not important to me this it's the Sodexo Gold Cup Handicap Chase a grade three class one race two miles seven furlongs 180 yards so normally bookmakers, well, they are, the number of places paid is defined by the jockey club. So handicaps of 12 to 15 runners, it's one to four odds on the first three places. Um, eight runners or more is one to five odds on the first three places. Five to seven runners is one to four odds in the first two places, places etc. And then when you get an additional place, that's just a promotional thing from... The bookmaker, normally they're just one. And occasionally when there's a lot of runners, like the Cambridgeshire, you'll get two. This is a nine-horse race that is paying five places. It was one-fifth odds on the place, but even so... Coming up to the race, we, we determined the EV based on targeting the extra place so you can sort of you can place a bet an each way bet on five places you can lay the win and lay three places and you you get some value if your horse comes in fourth or fifth and you can use that value rating if you assume that the horse has the same chance of coming in first as it does coming in fourth or fifth. You can use that value rating to pretty much work out how good the bet is on any horse, even to win. The safety net that you're getting on the place. I mean, come on, it's a nine-horse race. It just hasn't to come sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth, and you're going to get your money back other than the the, the very top of the market, and even then you're getting most of your money back on them because they're 4.3 and 4.5, so... The place is getting most of the money back on that. So you could have, at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, walked into any William Hill with a blindfold on, thrown a dart at the screen and selected a horse, and any one of those nine horses would have been positive expectation because of the value on the place, because of the five places. If you wanted to get scientific for most of the afternoon, Traffic Fluid, the 9-2 third favourite, was hovering around 500% EV. So the EV is so good there because 
the majority of the time, there's only three runners really that are at the top of the field and they're not guaranteed to come in the top five, but there's such a good chance of them doing that. And that means that your place money is going to refund a lot of this bet if it comes in second, third, fourth or fifth. It's almost a free shot at first and that's why it's 500% EV. The EV is also a bit of a misnomer because it's determined by qualifying losses. If you've got very small qualifying losses to win a lot of money, so if you've only got going to lose a penny to win £100, then your, your EV, using this calculation, is like 10,000%. So Traffic Fluid was good. Other good horses included um, Art Moresque, Geordie Deschamps, King's Lad was decent, Go Conquer, who was the other favourite, was pretty close. With traffic fluid. But, I mean, this is all about just taking action. It's like walk into the shop, slap down 100 or 200 pounds each way on literally anyone and walk away knowing that if you or your clone in an alternate universe did that over and over and over again infinite times, you would end up with infinite pounds or at least you would bankrupt William Hill. It's one of those that you don't don't think too hard about what you're doing. In in the future, I think a lot of each-way betting is going to move towards this because it's becoming so much harder to target the places um, in the way that we did using arbitrage in 2014, 2015. So now we just got to identify when there's value and go and smash it. And if you lose, you lose. I think that's the way forward. Anyway, Joshua Moore was a jockey riding traffic fluid who led after two out and stayed on and easily won the race. And so anyone that was on the sort of the big EV horse there um, posted it up on the horse racing forum, picked up a nine to two winner. But not only that, Art Mares came in second at 14 to one. So that's 3.8 on the place. Go Conquer came in third at 11 to four. You were getting your money back on... That guy, Adrien Dupont, was 106%. He was probably the horse that nobody was on because he was he was like the lowest EV. He was still positive EV. I've bet on a lot of bets tonight on the Europa League that are less than 106% EV. But he came in fourth. And King's Lad was the fifth-placed horse at 7-1. Any and all of them would have um, returned some... Decent profit, which is better to be said than the Melbourne Cup, although I didn't concentrate that much. Because Ewan was ill on the Monday, um, the Sunday night, and then the Monday, like, I just I scrapped the Melbourne Cup. Also, like, I need a day off at some point, and usually Monday is my day off. And I didn't realise that the Melbourne Cup was going to be Monday night. So the Melbourne Cup came and went. The only bet that I got on was the favourite Yucatan was either boosted or just priced up at 7-1. to one. A black type, the company that doesn't gub winners except unless you win and then they'll gub you. Um, so it was seven to one, a black type, 7.2 in the exchange. So I just stuck on a small bet each way, knowing it was value. Didn't lay it off, didn't come in. I think he came 11th. So nothing from the Melbourne Cup. The days of staying up until four o'clock in the morning at Flemington, well, they're limited for me. Just now, the football, however, smashed it. Did we talk last week about how difficult it was 
just going on this long losing run that we had. Well, I mean, that's the nature of betting at thin value betting at sort of high odds. Like a lot of handicappers and everyone, they bet at even money and we're betting at four to one, five to one, up to 200 to ones. Of course, we're going to lose and go on losing runs. But then when we win, it's so bloody decent. And it was on the weekend. Fred put up Everton, Manchester United and West Ham at six to one, seven. Um, that was huge. It was absolutely huge because it was 5.7 on the exchange and that meant that we could back it also on the... Well, the the thing is, when it's boosted at Sky and William Hill, we kind of have to hope that we can get on at the exchange because the limits are so poor. It's like a tether at Sky and William Hill. Fred! Fred is letting you bet £100 on it and he's allowing it in shop, which is a really big thing because if you can sort of mobilise a few pals... Get a, you can get a few hundred pounds down in shop. Can you get a few hundred pounds down on William Hill and Sky? Not unless you are a logistical machine um, that is willing to take the heartbreak of um, being gobbed all the time by those two online entities. So Fred boosting that. Was, I mean, it was never going to last. Um, it was in the racing post. I think it was an overnight steam. Got off to a flyer because Manchester United beat Bournemouth 2-1. Everton were never in danger. 3-1 against Brighton. I was really, I was oversubscribed on Everton on both the coupons and the value mugs on the weekend. Uh, and that left West Ham. 4-2 thriller against Burnley. Six goals in that game. Hernandez scored in the 92nd minute to make that 4-2. So the Fred boost came in i also had i told you i had everton everywhere i had everton a load of losing mugs as well but i had everton on the coupons and i had everton um tottenham and newcastle because who wouldn't bet on newcastle these days but it was 10 to 1 at red army bet reds bet fans bet viral internet interactive everyone's bet they by the way the the one reds bet i can't even win 10 pounds on manchester united in the premiership and on a non-boost price now it's like but this is it whoever it is that is controlling this in the training team it's probably just team one they just apply limits like that i mean this is just going to be a guy in an office who's just gone sql query everybody betting on boosts i said earlier i've just done nothing but bet on boosts fans boosts at this company it's like right okay who's done that I I am obviously one of those people. All of those people, they can only win a tenner. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's Newcastle. And whilst it's frustrating, remember two things. One, there are a small operation that I have, we have all just had so much value off over the summer. I mean, I would not be surprised if it was just a single dude in an office just trying to mitigate the losses that are going through the company from us advantage players. And then secondly, the limits that he applied to me didn't apply across the group, which I I was kind of like, okay, I'm gubbed at Red's bet. That means I'm probably dead at Red Army bet. And everyone, no, my limits at Red Army bet are fine. So I'm just betting there. And when, when they gub me, I'll go to fans bet. And when they gub me, I think there's another one. And when they gub me, there'll probably be another one. And so uh, the viral interactive sports book seems to be value seems to <laughs> it's going to be um, around for a while. So Everton, Tottenham, and Newcastle were ten to one, eleven to back, ten point five to lay. I think that came in within the hour, the very busy hour, because the bloody flash odds were on two to three p.m. as well on Saturday, and then you got the coupons and the price changes. It is the busiest hour of the afternoon. 
It's like if you say, when do I bet? I don't know when to bet. And the answer is you bet at 2.50. If you can, go to Fred at 2.55 on a Saturday afternoon. Right, That's when the value is. Everyone's so busy, they can't cut things quick enough. The value is at 2.55 on a Saturday. If you had to have one time of the week, if you're a doctor and you have to perform life-changing op- operations on children all week, and you've got a five-minute window that you can sneak out and place a bet because you want to place a fun bet. You want to know what time it is. It's 2.55 on a Saturday afternoon because that's when smart money has shaped and the latency of the bookmakers' prices has not caught up. And that's when I think Everton, Tottenham, Newcastle was good. Newcastle beat Watford 1-0 to pick up our first win of the season. Um, Everton, as discussed, I was oversubscribed on and did the good thing of winning. And Spurs, well, I missed this. I went out to the Village Bonfire. Spurs 3, Wolverhampton 2. What a hell of a game this was. I was on um, Spurs for two up as well. And so Lamella, Mora and Kane scored to put them 3-0 up. And when you're 3-0 up, you you don't lose the game. But Nevis and Jimenez showed that Wolves spirit. I do still have Wolves to finish in the top six. They're 11th just now, but... Only five points away from fifth, so it's not impossible. Man United are rubbish and in some sort of downfall. And Watford's early variants are going to catch up with them. So, um, yeah, the the 10 to 1 came in, as did everything else at Red's Bed. And that was very nice. The very following morning, there was an over 3.5 double on the tracker. I didn't see it. Apologies if it was you that put it up, but I think it was the scraper bot. But it might not have been the scraper bot. It might have been someone. Whoever it was that found the Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy um, bet of over 3.5 goals in the two games of Manchester City, Southampton and Chelsea, Crystal Palace. Pat yourself on the back. It was so much value, but it just felt good as well. It felt good because Manchester City, Southampton was the early game. You just thought it was going to be goals in that. So if you were of a nervous disposition, you could perhaps lay or at least hedge a little bit of money on Chelsea, Crystal Palace. Maybe if you're a gardener, you could have done that. Um, but I just had a good feeling about it. I just liked this 9-2. And so gut feeling, listen, bankroll management's all well and good, okay? Stick to your bankroll management, don't go broke. But there's also something else that's important, and that's make sure you're having fun. You used to know this in poker. If you were playing sit-and-goes, you could only buy into a sit-and-go for one two-hundredth of your bankroll if you were a winning player. Except there was the suggestion that every now and again just do um, one twentieth of your bankroll because you've got to have a shot sometimes to keep things interesting. And on this one, I just had a gut. I just had a gut that there was going to be... I wish it was on the both teams to score and a, and the favourite to win double on this. I don't know what it was, but Man City thrashed Southampton 6-1. It wasn't even close. At the time, I was dressed as Santa Claus in my sister's gym, climbing up a rope, doing a photo shoot for the, for the Christmas card collection. And my watch was just buzzing. Like, it was it was over four goals in the first half, I think. So I was, I was waiting for the fourth goal in that game. I didn't even have to wait until halftime. And then Chelsea 3, Crystal Palace 1 in the second game. And it it never felt in... That was the easiest 9-2 I've won this year. And it was also... It was triple normal stakes for me because I felt it was good. And also Betfair Sportsbook and Paddy 
whichever one I was on, do have the decency of laying big bets. And then the other one, oh, I missed the one from the night before. It was also a slightly larger bet. It was Juventus, Barca, and Spurs. Did you see the Barca game? What's going on in La Liga? Like, Real Madrid are sixth with 17 points after 11 games. Goal difference of only two. So above Real Madrid in the, in the table, well, Valladolid are just behind them, one point behind them, as are Girona and Levante. Espanyol, Sevilla. Alaves and Atletico Madrid are all above Real Madrid. Alaves are fighting for a Champions League place. Barcelona top the league. So Barcelona are, playing, are away at Rio Vallecano, who are second bottom in the league. Six points all season, minus 11 goal difference. And Rio Vallecano, well, Suarez scored to take the lead, but Rio Vallecano scored two goals to go 2-1 up. So I'm on Juventus, Barca and Spurs, 3-1 as well. Four to back, 3.7 to lay. Um, Barcelona waited until the 87th minute for Dembele to equalise, to go 2 all, And then Suarez scored in like the 97th minute of the game. The genius that he is. Um, to win the match 3-2 and to bring that one in as well. I told you they were all coming in. AC Milan and Montpellier, 5-1 came in. It was 5-1 to one to back and only 5.85. Now, that's really thin. Sometimes I'm betting on things because of value. Sometimes I'm betting on things because they're steaming in, so the smart money is pushing them in that direction. What I'm really betting on there is the um, is the delta, is the difference, is the change in price because I want to follow smart money. I would not have noticed AC Milan and Montpellier at 5-1 to one to back and 5.85 to lay. I would not have noticed Feyenoord, Utrecht and Fortuna Sittard at 5-1 to one to back, 5.5 fair market odds. Had it not been for the scraper bot and the kind people that are um, populating the value mug tracker. I'm, I'll tell you this now. This is I have been thin value betting for three years now. And the number of bets I have been getting on have seemed to have exploded since this um, tracker came on board. And with that, my profits seem to have gone up just a little bit as well. Now, I need to sort of look at this in the long run, of course, because we have been running hot at times. But the EV, the expected value of what I'm getting here, you know, at the moment, this tracker costs £10 a month to access. And it would be possible to reclaim that in an hour in expected value, I would imagine. And then last night was the Champions League. Well, yet again, it just seemed that everything that came in. Well, Man United, Man City and Real Madrid was up at Ladbrokes. I can't believe Man United won that game. Um, 11 to back, 10 to lay. Do you see Sykoff, by the way? Sykoff posted a Twitter picture of his trading, his greening up in that game. Uh, he was 30 thousand euros greened up towards the end of that game because Manchester United scored two late goals although that could have just been him putting 30 euros on at a thousand if uh, you know because Man United didn't score until the 88th minute but whatever so Man United winning the game 30,092 euros and 75 cents doesn't mess around that lad I'll tell you that Roma and Valencia were valued Five to two, they both won. 
And just, well... The only disappointment of the night was Ronaldo, who was who steamed in for double delight hat trick. Kevin, I wasn't on him, but I, 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 a lot of people were, so it doesn't matter that I wasn't on him. Um, he did get the first goal of the game, so booyah if you are mugging that. But a lot of people like to play it by hedging a lot of it, um, perhaps underlaying the entire thing, um, and so they needed him to get the second goal in that game, but he didn't. By the way, when I was like researching this music i had to listen to it on youtube and then downloaded it on itunes so i could have the clear copy of it this is the so this is the champions league song this is the comment underneath it it's like the third comment it's got 70 likes uh some guy with a chelsea avatar called hi how are you says um all of you Europeans are the luckiest people in the world. You have all of this to enjoy in your country and in person. My dream is to go to a Champions League game. Isn't that nice? Like, I, I remember I went to um, Barcelona versus Juventus in the new Camp with my ex-girlfriend Zoe. This is going back to the mid-2000s. And that's just something we did because we were out in Barcelona and drinking and we realised that the game was on. And it was so much fun. And you realise that half the world isn't like this. And so it's a pleasurable thing to read that, you know, someone um, someone appreciates the Champions League. So here we go. Here's the real story here. The comments underneath. Matt32 says, Hi, how are you? Support your local in capital letters and not Chelsea if you're not European. <laughs> If you're not European. Uh, so JB0404 replies, Matt32, he can support whoever he wants to. Why does it matter that he's not from Europe? And the reply, not from Matt32, but from Otaku Hunter, says, simple, because your region is shit poor and can't market to create a unified league as you have feuds with your neighbouring countries. So Harry Moody replies to that, go sick a wrinkly dick. There you go. <laughs> All I wanted was to see if the Champions League music had anything, had anything to it to put into the Bashcast. And um, that's the comments you get on YouTube. I thought they'd sorted the comments out on YouTube, obviously. Obviously they haven't. So yeah, smash the value mugs on the football in the last week and we're back on the winning train a couple of basketball mugs came in I'm going to gloss over them they're at William Hill and Bet Victor I haven't bet at Bet Victor for so long and then the, these basketball trebles have uh, materialised there so I'm enjoying them a lot but it was the NFL on Sunday again sometimes I wonder how I survive without the NFL season because year and year it's, it's so profitable. It really is. There was a few bets. Did, well, for starters, let's have a look at the value mugs. So, William Hill had the Ravens, Dolphins, and Redskins up at six point five. It wasn't well. It was. It's big enough. It's one hundred thirteen percent. It's only ten pounds. I did have ten pounds on it at William Hill which is not going to make me rich. Um, the problem with it only being 113% is that if it goes on the exchange, um, it's just too thin and there's too much sharp money around that you have to have your finger on the pulse 
And as I said, on Sunday, I was faffing around a Santa up a rope. My finger wasn't on any pulse. Um, that you're going to miss it. And I did. So I was only on at William Hill for a tenner. Which, so it, it, even if it wins, it doesn't matter. And it didn't win. Um, but, okay, that was the headline price. William Hill had a load more good prices there. One of them was Chiefs and Patriots to win by 10 points or more, which was 5-1 to one to back, 5.5 to lay. Now, my question is, that's just as good value as the other one, the headline price. The headline price, they limit you to a tenner. You can get 50 quid in that one. I don't know why. Uh, um, so these are the bets that you want to be looking out for because it's absolutely fine having value, but if you can't get decent limits if you can't actually get money down on it then your ev is eroded also you can sequential lay this so i was surprised like it would be one it would be very easy to put up on an exchange i didn't see it anywhere chiefs and patriots to win by 10 points or more two you could sequentially lay it because the kansas city chiefs were playing at 9 p.m and the patriots were playing at one o'clock in the morning whilst i'm sat in worcester hospital watching my ipad so it's like, why would you put the value up? But for whatever reason, perhaps it's steamed in. I didn't notice. It was just value when I saw it. Kansas City Chiefs won by 16 points against the woeful Cleveland Browns. And watching the Patriots in the hospital, it was never in danger. The 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday morning, they beat the New England... Uh, they beat the Green Bay Packers by 14 points for that one to come in also at coral and coral tend to have better limits than most they had the steelers patriots and chiefs up very thin at 4.3 fair market price would have been 4.15 but that kind of if you want to get a little bit more on your bet so we had the chiefs and the patriots to win by 10 or more at five to one at william hill but if you want to sort of um juice that out a little bit why not take the chiefs and the patriots and then Throw in the Steelers, who were the TV game against the Baltimore Ravens. They won that 23-16 early as well. So you knew that basically if one if the William Hill bet comes in, the Coral bet comes in as well. And it did. So, right. Good. Booyah for me. £500 profit there. But that wasn't where the big profits came from on the weekend um, Skybet the Skybet off of emailing me to tell me that they have important information for my account last week boosted um, Antonio Brown of the Pittsburgh Steelers Kareem Hunt of the Kansas City Chiefs and Thielen from the Minnesota Vikings to 7-1 to one. so instantly he, he has a problem with working out the value for this bet the um, early doors, there is no money in the anytime touchdown scorer market on the exchange. So you can't use the exchange. You can, however, use top price at the bookmakers. Um, now, some markets, you need to apply a lot of juice. Like uh, you need to apply a multiplication factor on top of the top price to account for the juice. Uh, some markets, you don't have to add that much um let's say home drawer away in the premiership the top price on any bookmaker for home drawer away on the premiership is going to be pretty damn close to the 
exchange price, the real price, the true price, the whatever you want to call it price, the fair market price. Um, and then there are other markets where the bookmaker pretty much takes the piss. Um, <laughs> for example, first try scorer in rugby or something like that. Um, anytime try, anytime touchdown scorer in American football is probably another market where the bookmakers take the piss. So if three or less bookmakers are priced up and you're taking the top price, you want to be taking about one point two multiplied by the top price if more than four bookmakers are priced up and you're taking the top price that price is probably a little bit more efficient so you can take a 1.1 and if the bookmaker is an outlier of which marathon bet and the 888 group very are generally due to latency and not following smart money and syndicates then uh, you can half that again so just using that as an indicator, uh, going on to odds checker, checking the top price of the anytime try scorers and multiplying each one by 1.1, we were able to see that a fair market price for those three outcomes would have been 6.8. So that's eight to back and 6.8 would have been fair. Limits are ten generally higher because at the when we work this out, you it's not sequentially layable. Pittsburgh, Kansas City Chiefs and Minnesota Vikings were all the early game. Um, not a lot of people have seen it and not a lot of people have worked out that it's value. So and, and it, it, other than those people that see a big yellow box seeing that the price is boosted to this and therefore they assume that it's value. And by the way, are, those people, they exist. They see anything boosted and they want to bet on it. And I have thought about starting up a Tom bet Bash a tom bet, um, where I just boost everything to negative EV prices and assume that people think that they are getting value, because uh, I would clean up. I'm sure I would. So back to this. Um, I think there was good value. Now, even if there were decent limits or not, uh, Skybet aren't letting me get on this. But I uh, did notice that it went up on Matchbook as a layable um, ob. There was a market up on Matchbook, and the good match betters were backing eight at Skybet, and they were laying all the way up to 7.6. So they're backing at eight and laying at 7.6. So I'm able to put a price up at 7.6, uh, where the true odds are a fair market price will be about 6.8. I do have a 2% Matchbook, so I have to take 2% off there, but I'm still getting 7.4. 6.8 probably about 108 percent ev i mean again if you if you went to a stocks and trading firm and they said you were going to get an average of eight percent back on your money in any particular financial year you would be very happy and that's exactly what i was getting here so um went relatively big on it because i was reading up as well that antonio brown has scored a touchdown seven of his last eight games at 170 pounds um at this seven to one on the exchange, and um, I think it came in in the in the first half. Certainly, if it was the second half, it wasn't long into that, and so that was a beautiful result at Sky. Well, thank you to Skybet and at Matchbook on the NFL. Okay, guys, that's enough talking about last week to take us to the break. You are listening to the Bashcast, and it's brought to you by Bookie Bashing. Net. 
Circles by Adam F. from 1997. Tom, when are you going to play anything from this millennium? I hear you cry. Next week. I've been waiting for this Sasha tune to be released for like a month. <laughs> and I can't rip it. Um, I'm not going to rip it and put it on here. I need to buy, I need to purchase it through legitimate means. Um, and so whilst waiting for this Sasha tune to be released... Covering some old classics in the bookie bashing news. Daily routines. A couple of people have, um, well, more than a couple of people have asked me about daily routines. Now, daily routines are a hard thing to um, advocate advice on because what works for me as a 40 year old family man of two young children won't necessarily work for other people. Um, I did see two. 
daily routines that shocked me somewhat in how similar they were. Probably shocked me because it reminded me of days of yore when I played online poker for all hours of the day. And I really did. It was like the EV and the money I was making compared to my peers and those around me meant that I could have days where I woke up, put my dressing gown on, and that was what I wore until I went to bed. And um, looking back at those days now, I know what was missing, and there was something missing. You know, you can earn... Your friends can go out to work, and then you can make a thousand pounds in a day playing online poker. And there's, it's there's not any satisfaction in your friend coming home. And the reason for that lack of satisfaction is balance. Now I'm balanced now in that I have Sasha and Ewan, uh, but that's not that that's not everything. There there are other ways that I need to balance my life. So. My, my daily routine is thus. And if this is helpful, good. And if you don't need help in your daily routine, feel free to fast forward, click that skip 30 second button for maybe 10 times for five minutes. And um, we, you can go on to the next segment. But for me, well, whilst bookie bashing is inherently, but it's inherently determined on what sport is on in any particular day. You see, in the middle of the summer, if there's no sport on, on a day, then you, the last thing you need to be doing is scrambling around, looking for sign-up bonuses, where you're going to be betting that bonus on random Yugoslavian third division women's football or playing free spins for so little EV compared to the days of the year where there is big EV. And so those days in the summer, when you know you can take them off, you really need to do it. Because there are times of the year, and the first weekend, or the first week, in fact, of November, right now, is one of those times where it's so busy, you're, you're wondering when the hell you're going to take your next day off. And so taking days off is really important to me. Um, Monday seems to be the most obvious day. I know there's a premiership game on. But generally, apart from that, is the Monday is the day of the week where there is fewest sporting opportunities. Friday is also kind of fewest sporting opportunities, but there is preparation for the weekend. You can plan for the weekend on a Friday. Make life easier for yourself. So I don't see taking Friday off as an option. Monday is a definite off. Tuesday um, and Wednesdays can be half days where I go and see my family. Um, and the evenings of Friday and Saturday, like Saturday's so busy, I like to draw a line across it, probably at three o'clock in the afternoon. I know there's value after three o'clock in the afternoon, but I just draw a line. I'm like, I've been up, I've been working since I woke up this morning. Three o'clock comes around, I'm done. And now it's family time. I want to spend time with my wife and I want to spend time with my daughter and my son. I read a blog about how this was on... Nick Goff, football professional gambler and ex-coral head of football trading, and also in the 15 minutes that I was a member of Profit Accumulator, I also read someone's daily blog how on a Saturday they woke up and they scouted for value for the entire day. And I read it and I felt sad 
because it's not uh it's not an existing there's no balance that's the important thing you know if you won if you worked from the minute you got up until the minute you got went to bed every single day of the week and were able to make a million pounds a year and you were making 50 times the national wage and you had no family and you had no friends and you had seen nobody and you had been no, to no music gigs and no sporting events and you had done nothing and you were unfit and you ate cheeseburgers and takeaway pizza. Who's the winner? You know, what's the point of that number just rising in your bank account? There's no point to me. The important things in life are family, unless they send you nuts, which mine do occasionally, friends, um, definitely music gigs. I remember working in a place where I said, to, I like, it was an awkward meeting, so I just turned to the girl and said, um, what was the last music gig you went to to try and instigate some kind of conversation? She was like 30 years old. She turned around to me and went, I've never been to a music gig. I was like, you're kidding me. Have you not? <laughs> okay. Um, throw me a frickin' bone here. I'm struggling. What would you like to chat about? And so she mentioned the recent um, um, audits that her team had undertaken that they'd passed A-stars. I was like, well, if that makes you happy. It doesn't make you happy, though, does it? So music, really important. Going to see sporting events, don't bookie bash at them. It's cold. You should be drinking. You should be drinking alcohol. You should be A, with your friends, B, drinking alcohol, C, in some sort of mindset where you're not just taking yourself away from everybody else that you're with and looking at your phone. Yes, I know that if you go and see rugby and Worcester are playing Bath, you could probably, with the knowledge that you have, find some value somewhere. How much is that EV worth? Fiver? Tenner? 20 quid. Maybe you found 20 quids worth of EV. How many times are you going to be at that football match with all your pals drinking beer, right? So just put it away. Also, it's a cauldron for making mistakes. I'm going to bucky bashing whilst you're, whilst you're at live sporting events. So the first thing outside of a daily routine is the balance of making sure that you're not a Nick Goff, who I respect, and you're not a profit accumulator, who I don't respect, and that you're not just sitting in front of your computer all day, every day, watching your bank balance grow. Other than that, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday and Saturday evenings, I'm taking off. When I wake up in the morning, I try and do it earlier than anyone else. That's my preference. Uh, 5.30 in the morning, my alarm will go off. Uh, at that point, I can check what sport is on in the day. It's amazing how many times a sporting event comes around when I'm doing as much betting as I'm doing, and I had no idea it was tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, that race on the weekend that we spoke about earlier, I didn't know it was happening until the day it happened. I still don't know why there were five places in that race. It doesn't matter. The only thing that was important was value. So I'm checking what sport is on. And then I have a daily routine of going through about 28 different bookmakers every single day to check if they put any kind of value up. Now, the scraper bot and the value mugs tracker is helping with that, but um, I think it's important that I always go and see there because those are where the edges are going to be. 
The edges are also in the shops, and I can't get up and visit every single shop. For starters, they're not open then. But if um, I know some people or a team of people who okay, you know, will go and visit the shops pretty much every day, and so keeping an eye on what bets are on there is vitally important. Also, I got a link to Willie Mill TV that I've stored on my computer just now, which does help with that. Um, 7 o'clock in the morning, without fail, is CrossFit for me. If you, if you don't exercise, you're an idiot because it's not about the physical well-being. It's about the mental well-being for me. You can't function well as a human being if your body is not healthy, if you haven't got adrenaline pumping through you, if you haven't been toning muscle. Now, you go and do that by yourself. To be fair, I would never have come across CrossFit had my sisters not opened a, gy- a CrossFit gym. Um, they had one in Arizona. Now they've got one in Stoke-on-Trent, which is like the same as Arizona, just the opposite. Um, and I started going to theirs once a week, got hooked on it, and now I go to my local one in Worcestershire five times a week. Um, and I can't recommend it enough. But whatever, I'm not going to preach. If you want to, if you if you want to do running, if you want to go to the gym, if you want to go swimming, whatever it is, just as long as the adrenaline's going and you're moving around and it's daily or near daily, that's the important thing. Because when I'm back in the house at eight o'clock in the morning, having already done some work and then gone to CrossFit and had some sort of eggs breakfast, I'm ready to tear the day up at this point. So my first port of call, I like if possible. They're not always up, it's mostly the weekends when they're up at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's the Emporium Sports Write-Up. Betting Emporium are um, Neil Channing, Joe Beavers, um, et al. are professional sports bettors that charge money on a monthly or whatever basis or an event basis. It's long-term positive expected value, very long-term, a lot more long-term than betting on boosts that are higher than the exchange. Um, however, the understanding, the, it's, it, for me, it's not so much the profits. The profits, actually, sometimes I really could just leave them behind and not do anything. It's the write-ups. Because having an understanding that there are expected goals in this game or someone is expected to score in that game, or there are no expected goals in this game, or there's a rugby match on where Australia seem to be dominant or whatever. It's almost like it's an introduction. I can take or leave the write-up, you know? I'm not as much of an expert on sports as those guys are, but I do have an opinion. So they turn around and say... Um, someone's going to score a try in the rugby. I happen to know someone that supports that team, so I can go and talk to them, and I can form my own opinion if it's good enough. But what it is, it's an incredibly good foundation for the day. Those write-ups are a really good foundation for the day. Not only do I know what sport is on, but I know what the experts are thinking, and I generally have an understanding of where the smart money is going. So they're saying... Everybody's talking about the boosts on the Chelsea-Liverpool game at 5pm. These guys are talking about betting under 2.5 goals. If they're talking about betting under 2.5 goals, I don't want to be going crazy on Double Delight Hatching Heaven. I don't want to be going crazy on both teams to score boosts involving them. You know what I mean? It's like I have now the foundation to benchmark a lot of my betting against because I'm not going to bet on everything that's positive expected value. Certainly, I don't bet on things that I don't agree with. I don't bet on things 
things that others don't agree with. And also I'll bet on things that are 99% EV where I've seen congruence with other write-ups and things like that. So I, I really want to get in smart money write-ups. Je- um, Duncan has others. He has um, Professor MJ for the NFL and things like that. And uh, in, in all honesty, I don't care who it is that you read if you want to take this seriously, but I do recommend that you read something at Bucky Bashing, we're not experts in sport. We're experts in finding value. I mean, we're probably the best at finding value when benchmarked against somewhere else. But that bet, that somewhere else has done the smart work for us. If you want to go and find out why exactly someone or something is smart money or decent money, you need to go and do some reading. Um, I recommend Emporium. There are a million and one things out, um, out there and it's up to you to choose what it is that you believe in and go and read. All I would say is don't read nothing because ignorance and being sheep and, and etc. It can only be negative, can't it? You know what I mean? So after I finish the Emporium write-ups, I then get my bets on for the day in the morning, be those tennis and football and rugby and whatever else now if it's a weekday i'll then try and have a little bit of that this is the middle of the day i'll have the middle of the day off um going for a walk down the canal or doing something boring that 40 year old men do um or playing a little bit of poker if there's a rainy day and i've got nothing on and then in the evening i've now got the chaos that is evening kickoffs and children's bedtime at the same time. And I'm looking for a solution because at this moment in time, it is a case where I'm walking around with my son who's nine weeks old and has bronchitis and um, you're screaming his head off and the football is on and perhaps I'm on a two up from an early kickoff and so on and so forth. And it's just one of those things that, um, you know, if you're out there, and you're a man, and you do not have children, then make hay whilst the sun shines. Because these hours that you have, you will not believe how much free time this is compared to when you do have children. Because when you've got children, those moments when value appears, and you know as well as I do, Value doesn't appear every second of every day. Value appears and you're a successful gambler. You're an advantage player because you jump on it as soon as it has appeared. Well, when you've got children who are crying, throwing a tantrum and don't want to go to bed, those moments are no longer your own. And when you stand there holding your child or Sasha is screaming, kicking the the floor because she was putting a screwdriver into a plug socket and I came into the room and told her to stop doing that and she got furious and started having a tantrum because I was telling her not to put a screwdriver into a plug socket and then I have to look after this tantrum and I see that my two up has gone from two nil to two all in those minutes you think I can leave her and go and hedge that two all and get some money out I know for a fact that every minute that I'm spending with this tantrum I'm I'm losing more money in EV in an hourly rate than I ever used to earn in a full-time job. But that is what life is. And also in the long run, it all evens itself out as well. In summary, I just wanted to get across that my 
daily routines are more important for the time that I take off. The Saturday after 3pm, the Friday evenings, the Mondays, than the time that I am working. If I had to nail on some time that I was concentrating on value, it would be 6.45 to 7.45 on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings ahead of the Champions League. If it was a week when it was the League Cup or the FA Cup midweek, I'd just forget about it and get on with my life. On a Saturday, if I can make myself available from 2 to 3 p.m. in the afternoon, that generally is an excellent time to find value. If I can't do that, any time in the morning where I can steal an hour is also just as good. And Sundays in the afternoon, ahead of the not just the Premiership, but the La Liga and the NFL are also an excellent time to find value. In order, Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning. Sunday afternoon and weekdays at 6.45 to 7.45 on a Tuesday and a Wednesday during the Champions League. Outside of that, if there's a golf major on, Wednesday nights are very important. But other than all of those times, if you have family, if you have a two-year-old that's having a tantrum, then no matter what value exists at that moment in time, that little one's going to need some attention right are there any edges anywhere Oh boy, oh boy, Ladbrokes seem to be in trouble uh, with IBAS. Um, this, there were two stories about this in Ladbrokes, one before the decision and one after. The before decision, um, uh, uh, this was written in Ladbrokes on the 7th, sorry, written on The Guardian in the 7th of November 2018, said Ladbrokes may be forced to pay out on hundreds of cancelled bets. And the story today is Ladbrokes to pay out in full on cancelled bets. So what has happened here? I'm going to read the former story first and then see if I can just do an abridged version of the after story. So this is the former. And bear in mind, remember, Ladbrokes now have, have to pay out. Ladbrokes could be forced to pay out on hundreds of bets which were turned down by its trading team if the independent betting arbitration service, IBAS, finds against the firm in three near-identical disputes over bets which are currently being considered by its adjudicators. The three cases concern requests to place online bets which were referred to Ladbrokes traders for approval. So have you ever had this? You must have. You place a bet and it hangs and it says a trader is looking at your bet. And do you know what? Out of everything, that causes anxiety unnecessarily. I don't know why it causes anxiety, you know? I've put all my chips in the middle of a poker tournament that cost me 10 thousand pounds to enter when I had no hand right I've done that in the past and I can sit there with a completely calm heart rate no sweat dripping off my brow knowing that what I'm doing is positive expected value and everything is fine yet I can place 
a £10 bet on Coral and it gets referred to the traders and all of a sudden my heart starts going... <laughs> you must get that. And why? Why? It's an unnecessary anxiety-inducing event when your bet is sent to the trader. So an increasing... Back to the article. An increasing number of punters on racing and other sports are familiar with this practice and such bets are often either declined or re-offered, either at reduced odds or a reduced stake that can be as little as 10 pence. In the cases being considered by IBIS, the requested bets on horse races were declined. However, in each case, the customer attempting to place the bet claims to have received an official bet number, which they took as an indication that the bet had been accepted. After the races, when it became clear their bets had in fact been declined, the punters claimed they were described as cancelled bets, which suggests that their money could have been accepted at some point in the process. So what's happening here is not malice, but complete incompetency from... Ladbrokes. And when you're incompetent in your business and you make a mistake, okay, when you're malicious, you just steal from people. When you're incompetent and you make a mistake and the customer has a financial loss as a result of the mistake that you made, then you, as a business, have to bear the financial brunt of that. You come to bookie bashing and sign up and I take 200 quid out of your card instead of a tenner. Then, then I'm not only going to give you your tenor back, I'm probably going to give you a few months free because I've made a huge mistake. The mistake is mine. And this is what's happened here. You know, I don't think it's malicious. I just, I just think it's malice. Uh, I don't think it's malicious. I just think it's incompetence. Now, back to the article. The timescale involved when a case is considered by the arbitration service suggests that Ladbrokes could or should have been aware of a possible problem with the processing of declined bets for several months, but the bookmaker had failed to address the issue. That goes back to what I was saying. There's an also, anecdotal evidence that the cases currently being considered by IBAS may be just the tip of the iceberg. Paul Fairhead, who runs the Boycott Betfred Twitter account, said on Wednesday that he had seen at least a dozen identical cases involving Ladbrokes and that he was receiving new cases almost on a daily basis. This leads me to believe that hundreds of punters could have been affected over many months. Should Ibas decide in favour of the punters bringing the cases against Ladbrokes? Any customer of the firm who has had a similar experience when attempting to place a bet in recent months could also be entitled to claim a payout since by the way my hand is up just now since bets which are referred to the trading team for approval can often involve significant sums an adverse ruling could potentially cost the firm a significant amount so it then goes on to say ibas has been considering it for some time but let's look at the article today which has news. Ladbrook's procedure for accepting and rejecting online bets came under further scrutiny on Thursday when it emerged that the firm recently paid one of its customers in full for a bet the bookmaker initially insisted had been rejected, but only when the customer 
threatened to sue for his winnings. Oh, how interesting, Ladbrokes. I'd never thought for one second that if I tried to sue bookmakers for declined payouts, I would be successful. On the 2nd of July, Paul Glynn attempted to place two singles and a double with Ladbrokes on races at Sandown and Haydock. Five days later, the singles included a £150 bet on horseplay at 7-1 to in the Lancashire Oaks with a potential return of £1,200. Now, apropos of nothing, the information I have so far suggests to me that Paul Glynn is probably an arbor. That changes nothing about any outcome in this case whatsoever. Um, the 150 at 71 is huge. There are probably some city boys and some people out there who are placing 150 quid mugging um, on horseplay. And to be fair, look, I'm a professional gambler. I lay very little. I just mug and mug and mug. And yet, 150 pounds at 71 is in the region of two to three times higher than the stakes that I normally place. I'm not saying that I am the be and all and end all of professional gambling. I am just saying to me, he looks like he's arbing here. But that means nothing. Just because he's arbing doesn't mean that um, the rules change. They, they don't whatsoever. You, you lay the bet, Ladbrokes. You have to be consistent whether people are mugging or arbing. The one thing I would say is that very possibly your limits are just too high on this, but whatever. So back to the article. He received a receipt number for each bet and a total stake of £330 appeared to have been deducted from his balance. Less than an hour later, all three bets appeared on his account statement as having been cancelled and his balance was recredited with £330. This is awful. This is, it's absolutely awful. You cannot accept the bet and then within an hour reinstate the balance and cancel them. Now, Horseplay went on to win. And I'm telling you now, Paul Glynn has lost money on the exchange as a result of that. So when Glynn queried his earlier attempt to place a bet with Ladbrokes, the bookmaker insisted it had been rejected. Two months later, however, after receiving a notice before action, I have submitted one of those. Glynn, who intended to sue, found that Ladbrokes had settled in full. Richard Haler, the managing director of IBAS, said on Thursday the adjudication service was unaware that Ladbrokes had paid a customer who had placed what was ultimately a winning bet in similar circumstances. Now that IBAS is aware of this, he said, it may be taken into consideration in regard to the three cases being considered by IBAS. When approached to confirm that Ladbrokes had paid out on Glynn's bet, a spokesman for the firm said that it would not be appropriate to discuss a named account's a named customer's account and activity. You know what? Bullshit, Ladbrokes. Absolutely bullshit. And all of this stems from... I always talk about them. It's middle management. It's middle management don't have the balls to come out and say, do you know what? We, f we fucked up here. We really did. We suspected Glenn, who is pro almost certainly some sort of arbor or match better, of seeking value like that. 
Glenn himself was probably an idiot for placing a bet so high. But from then on, it snowballed into idiocy um, and stupidity and um, systems breaking down where they were cancelling bets when they weren't allowed to, where they won't just admit that, look, you know, if I was a bookmaker, if I'll tell you what, here, him who will not be mentioned, Jeff Banks, he would stand up and he would at least say the truth here. We cancelled this bet because we stupidly thought that he was a match better or an arbor and we didn't have to pay him out because of those reasons. Now, the former may be true, but the latter doesn't result from the initial thought process. You can't conclude not... Once you've accepted the bet, you pay out, regardless of whether they are a Marga Valley better, an Arbor, or whatever. So, boo-hiss to you, Ladbrokes. The news that at least one punter had been paid out for a bet Ladbrokes initially claimed had been rejected will add to speculation that others have had a similar experience with the firm and could also be in line for payouts and bets that had apparently been cancelled. The cases being considered by IBAS are understood to date from December 2017. December 2017! I submitted a IBAS case uh, about Ladbrokes not paying me. When was it? In the middle of uh, 2015? And by the middle of 2016, it hadn't been addressed. In fact... There was some problem with the reference number where I Ibas said they wouldn't deal with me because I didn't have a re- the XYZ reference number. So I asked Ladbrokes for the XYZ reference number and Ladbrokes said, yeah, I can't give you the XYZ reference number until you've done the XYZ thing imaging. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, God, I don't care about the process names Ibas and Ladbrokes and everyone gives to everything. And for 12 months... Ibas, me and Ladbrokes went backwards and forwards. And I don't think Ibas even read the details of my case in those 12 months. And so I lost my shit one day with the two of them. Like there was the three of us in an email conversation. And I just said, I now do not want Ibas to arbitrate on my behalf. I'm going to fuck off and sue Ladbrokes in the local courts. I think I said it because I just successfully sued Betfred for non-payout and I was feeling a bit clammy. Um, And so I lost my ship with both of them. And I actually ended up not doing anything because it was 200 quid. And so I just wrote the 200 quid off. It was like, just like, that's it. I'm done now. (laughs) I can't be arsed to think about this. Like I was genuinely owed the 200 quid. But I decided that if I just scratch this period off away from my mind, I can focus on things that are worth more than £200 in the long run. Um, IBAS are underfunded. I see they were recruiting the other day from work-for-home operatives. They need to be funded a little bit more. But I'm very happy to see this case um, against Ladbrokes. And I hope that they are taken to task. Now... Surely, surely, we've got someone lined up for the Hall of Fame this week. The Bashcast Hall of Fame. Samuel Eto is a Cameroonian professional footballer who, to this day, currently plays as a striker for Qatar SC. But in his prime, in 2013, 
He had completed a signing from Ansi Makhachala to Chelsea on a one-year contract. At the time, Jose Mourinho said, I'm very happy for him to be here, but I am anxious. It wasn't a hard decision. I saw the qualities that the player has. Eto himself said that when the opportunity came, I was very happy to take it, but I fear for being the number one striker for this club. Eto became Chelsea's preferred target after their pursuit of Manchester United's Wayne Rooney, can you believe, in 2013, founded. By the way, Wayne Rooney, who plays for DC United just now, I've got a theory about him. Did I mention this before in the broadcast? Even if I did, I'm going to repeat it. He plays for DC United because he got a driving ban in this country. Like, what else would you do? If you've had a driving ban, how much of a liberty is that for your freedom? So he has gone to live in Washington and play football because I don't think that driving bans apply over in America. This is just a bash of Tom theory. But I think it's true. Um, now, on the... 24th of February 2014, which was a Sunday. Manchester United were playing Chelsea. Back in these days, Betfred still did double delight hat-trick heaven. However, with a difference. A difference that was, I'm not lying, insane. Betfred would take one striker in every game and boost them. Normally it was like the main striker. Occasionally it wasn't the main striker. But when he boosted them, I struggled to have conversations with friends and family and function as a normal human being because I would just be looking at my iPhone 5 or whatever it was back in 2014 and waiting for this boost because it was worth so much money. And on the Sunday afternoon, Jen was feeling poorly and had gone to bed. Uh, Samuel Eto was six to one to score the first goal for Chelsea. He was eight point two on the exchange. That's not great. It's okay. We'd probably take it these days. But then Fred boosted him. He boosted him from six to one to eight to one at about two thirty-two in the afternoon. We are talking about a Chelsea striker. Striker, not midfielder. Striker, 8-1, to 9.0 to back at Betfred. 8.2, 8.4, 8.6 on the exchange, depending on when you get in. But whatever you're getting in, it's risk-free. You can get on online. The limits to, in 2014 definitely tended to be a bit higher in those days. I think I was regularly getting £200 on. So I did. I got £200 on Samuletto online at 8-1 to for Chelsea to score the first goal against Manchester United on this early February morning in 2014. Well, you know, just after lunch on a Sunday afternoon. I laid it off and made like, you know, 12 quid in the orb. Samuletto went on to score the first goal of that game, and then he netted the second. 
Betfred doubled the odds to 16 to 1, and I was £1,600 in profit. So, of course, I was delighted, but he went on to score a hat-trick in that game just to add another £1,600, including the orb in total. I was £3,212 up. Jen was still feeling poorly as I was screaming down the stairs with delight. That evening, we were meant to take the train into Birmingham to then take the train to Wolverhampton to go and see the fun-loving criminals with our friends. Instead... We phoned up a taxi to take us the 30-mile journey, and I remember being giddy with delight over the £3,200 victory at the time. So I offered to buy everybody, stranger or friend, a drink at the bar, and um, my profits on the day were seriously dented. Of course, since then, Betfred has tightened up on the odds, and matches of 9, 8.6 simply don't occur anymore. But um, there is still value to be had. And regardless of whether it is there or not, Samuel Eto, welcome to the Bashcast Hall of Fame. P.S. By the way, I did promise Duncan I'd never talk about that because the valley came in when he took his kids to the park. And that's what we were talking about earlier. And so he came back to find out that it was 9, 8 point whatever, and then he scored the hat-trick. was like, what can you do about it? You know, you take your kids to the park. That's the plus EV move. It was coming up in the sporting world this weekend. What a dullard of a Saturday lunchtime game we've got coming up in the Premiership. Cardiff versus Brighton. Game of the week, Newcastle-Bournemouth. Newcastle are 2.96 against Bournemouth. I say it every week and I will say it again that... Is value the evening game is Crystal Palace Tottenham. We've got four games on Sunday, so something to do with those four games, whether it's all eight teams to score or over under goals, is going to be good on Sunday, right? Uh, Liverpool, Fulham, Chelsea, Everton, great match there. Arsenal, Wolves, great match there. And Manchester City, Manchester United. Can you believe Manchester United are 8.8 at the at the local rivals now we have a international break after sunday no more premiership no more champions league i had penciled in next week to take the family away on holiday going back to daily schedules next week if you're gonna have a break would probably be a good time to have a break i was going to turkey but then you and got bronchitis and so now i'm going to Possibly Hoik. Maybe further afield. We'll see. Um, but certainly next week seems to be a good week just to remind yourself what are your priorities in life. And if you do have a gambling problem, do remember, perhaps it isn't the fact that you're spending all your time gambling perhaps it's the fact that you're losing and you're a lemon whatever it is that you're betting on in the next week please make sure it's value this is Tom signing out this is that's the coolest fucking story I've ever heard in my entire life that's insane can I hear it again? Do you have time?